Yo, what's happening? It's Flynn Johnson. And that there was me air freshener. And that's normally when you hear Rocky come in, but he's not here this week. Surprise. The motherfucker's never here. Ever. He's on holidays with the fam. I can't believe that happened. He's on holidays with the fam at the moment. I can't blame him. He's living the dream. Oh, baby. Some of us have to do it. Why? Because I've had... Rocky has had more holidays this year than I've had dinners, yeah? I'm over here doing the Lord's work. Welcome back to the show. We talk about growing up and everything in between. Speaking of growing up and everything in between. My guest this week is Martin Long. Martin is one of my best mates, uncles. I've known him and he's been in my life from as far back as I can remember. From the days of me running around acting the bollocks with the boys in Whitestown. He's someone who I've always wanted on the podcast. And the only episode I was actually nervous to record because I built up the anticipation in my head so much. And you'll understand why when you listen to the episode. I don't want to talk about a story too much, to be honest, because... You'll hear it right from the source, but as soon as I asked Martin to join me and to be a part of this, his, uh, his response was, if it can help someone else by listening to me, then that's the main thing. And that's the sort of person he is. Do you know what I mean? That just sums up who he is truly in one sentence. He offered us his time, his vulnerability, but which I'll, I'll forever be in his graces for. He's, he's he's truly an inspiration and I'm so proud of how far he's come. I can only imagine how, how proud his family are as well, you know. Um, he's such an ad- admirable bloke. I can't I can't tell you how much I respect and appreciate the fellow for continuing to strive forward to his goals and believing in himself. Um, Martin's story is one that deserves to be heard, in my opinion, worldwide. And I'm so honoured. I'm so honoured I was able to just even be in the room while he did tell his story, so... Yeah, I hope you's. I hope I hope you's really enjoyed this episode, and you, anyone who's listening takes something from it, and he's able to help somebody out there um, who is listening and who may have struggled with the with the same things. So yeah, without talking about it too much, let's just get into it. Welcome back to the show. Uh, sit back and yeah, take in fifties words. Yup, fifty. We're sat in. Yeah, man's house in Barberscaf, where it all began for me and young Doidla. Me and young Didla. We make the tunes here, the whole lot. But uh, yeah, we're sitting in sitting in Barberscaf and we have the mic set up and yeah, he let us come in and take over the split. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, look, enough of that shit, Martin. What we'll do is we'll go straight into it. Yeah, normally with me and Richie when we record these podcasts, it's not really a sort of like what's your name, where do you come from type of thing. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? It's more of a it's more along the lines of like we just have a chat do you know what i'm saying but i think in your situation i think in your situation and the 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 scenario like i think we're better off just you taking us all the way back all the way back to basics and where it all started where your whole journey began i suppose and yeah if you want to just just take us take us back to there what was it like how did it all start yeah yeah how did it all start i'll start yeah yeah would have started for me, fucking oh, sniffing petrol and all that shit, yeah? Yeah. Oh, look, I was just a little bollocks when I was young. Never wanted to be in my house. Yeah. I always wanted to be out. Didn't want to be in the house at all. Yeah. I always wanted to be out fucking hanging around with the older lads. Wanted to be one of the lads. I always wanted to fit in. Mm. Never hung around people my own age. Just wanted to fit in with other people that were older. People that were into crime and all that shit. Yeah. I was just a little bollocks when I was growing up. Yeah. There's no other way of putting it. Yeah. 
Then I'm going to have to sniff on petrol and all that crap. Um, sniff on petrol, gas. Then when you're building the fucking, <coughs> excuse me, when you're building the N3, you wouldn't believe this, this is how I start taking drugs. You're sitting underneath the bridge, the bridge that goes across the car, that, sitting underneath that, yeah. while the N3 is still getting built. Found a packet of skins, myself and Jay. And put three skins together, you know, like pretending you're making joints, taking the tobacco out of the smokes, making joints, you know, like imagine we found a bit of hash. And this probably sounds like I'm talking bollocks, but I'm telling the truth. Mm. We end up finding a bit of hash. That's me first time I ever took a blow of a joint, went out of the back fields. Now, I think, remember this, this sounds mental, but there's fucking big diggers gone by, you know. Mm. We went into the field smoking a joint. And I'll never forget. This is the, the first drug that I can remember taking. Yeah. I'll never forget this. Smoked the full joint and lying on my back and I just kept saying a big white cloud. And it'd be bigger, get big and just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller and disappear. Jeez. And just happen all over again, big cloud disappear. Uh, big, yes, bigger, smaller and smaller and disappear. That went on for ages. Yeah. And I come on back. And this fucking big... Yellow bellies going up and down, digging up the route, they're bleeding to build the entry. The entry yeah, yeah. Then from that day on, then I just bleed and loved hash. Hash would have been my main thing back then. Mm. Yeah, I've gone back there. Yeah, I was going to ask, uh, what year was it like? Yeah, I can't remember roughly. the year. Yeah, I can't remember the year. I'll give you my age, I'd say it was about nine. Yeah. Nine, nine ten, yeah. Nine, ten, maybe, yeah. The first time we smoked hash? The first time we smoked hash, yeah. Yeah, yeah nine, ten, maybe, yeah. And that was it, yeah, I loved me hash. Uh, smoked every fucking day. Yeah. Um, then into, I never drank. The lads would have drank, I never drank, couldn't drink. Mm. He was just give me the spinnies, get sick. So we just smoked the hash all the time. Yeah, yeah. Drinking and smoking hash. Then from there, I went to take and play it and like so acid and knee and all. Mm. You had to remember, I'm still 10 or 11 years of age. I had gone around taking, taking fucking ease and that shit. I said, yeah. What do I mean? All the older fellas, I'm not going to name names because this is obviously going to go alive. Yeah, yeah. All the older fellas at parties. Yeah. But looking back at our drugs are bad for you, but looking back at it, the boss, good times, the E times are great times. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have addictive personality, so obviously I got addicted to the fucking ease. Then I start getting into the horses, so I'd be out every day on my horse taking fucking ace. I had three horses, so it's what keeps swapping them around. Going mm. out to another fella, I won't mention his name, you know, yeah, getting yeah. ears off him. And he even used to be saying to me, Martin, you're taking ears every day, like, and he's saying, yeah, I love the fucking things like that, right? You got my horse getting rushes, mm. getting chased by the police on my horse, and all that. Yeah, it's just a little bollocks, then I get into robbing cars and all that. Yeah. What, what age are you like when you're taking ears every day and you're on you're on the horses and you're getting the rushes and chasing getting chases and all how old are you then like is this still around like 11 12 like or are you yeah old, like? around around uh, I'd say 12 I think I had my yeah. first horse yeah 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 then in between all that the first start off taking I think I was straight to heroin I went from the years to taking tablets and that Mm. And then started taking foy. Going back years now, I was brown foy at the time. Yeah. 
and take 100 mils of four, yeah, a few joints, mm. and probably a few fucking tablets on top of that as well. Mm. Um, yeah, then start getting into robbing cars and all that shit, motorbikes, just love all that. And was it, was it the, was it the influence of drugs? Like, is that, is that what was making you go and rob cars and fucking do all that? Or you were just... just no, I was just, a, just didn't give a fuck when yeah. I was younger, you know what I mean? It didn't have to be on drugs to go and rob a car, just didn't give a bollocks, had no fear, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Had no fear when I was young, like, didn't care. Mm. Yeah, they were robbing cars and fucking flashing them on my sound ground there. I should never get my sister coming out, dragging me out of a mini down. He went backwards and I'm trying to score goals down out showers. <laughs> and the goal post used to be there, <laughs> trying to score goals down out showers in, in, in the car. Uh, Spinning the thing around. <laughs> and my sister actually coming out and dragging yeah. me over. She was yeah, like, yeah, yeah really, I won't get back into it. So she's gone back into the gaff, back into the car, and she's back out fucking pulling me back over. You know, this mini only went backwards, it was a long mini. Never seen one before. You know, only went time reverse, yeah, only went time reverse, yeah. <laughs> it only uh, went backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Then motorbikes and all, I love me motorbikes as well, yeah? So yeah, yeah. I'd never forget the time you believe me. Bro, put me on a motorbike. My brother and Paul Dunn was already on one of me saying this. Put me on a... Paul Dunn had a YZ500. My brother Joe had a YZ250. Mm. So we also got out to the Kilmine Fields. And we had to remember the town centre and I wasn't here at this time. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. The, the f- football fields. And uh, it was a Gaelic pitch there, actually. We're at the Millennium Park, isn't it? Mm. It was a Gaelic pitch there. I used to be just on the back of my all the weeks, all the time, and I would then be all stopped and we were talking. Paul Dunn turned around and said, put him on that 250. And I was like, oh, I don't know how to fucking drive a bike. And he said, get on it. And I was like, I'm, I was a bit, I'm not going to lie here, I was shitting. Yeah. Couldn't reach the ground, I could only reach the bleeding pegs and to do the gears and that. Yeah, yeah. I was like, how am I going to bleed and stop this thing? And I'm saying, I'm not driving. And they're saying, you're fucking driving and that's it. You're driving, you're driving. You're, this is what you do only time I have to do. So I just took off and came back down the field. I asked how to do I said, yeah, you don't grind. The back of us kicking out and all, but you held it well. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, right now, but, uh, you felt unbelievable then. It's felt unbelievable, <laughs> yeah. Get, couldn't get me off the bike then, flying around the field. But I went up the top then. I was going to a slow turn around. My blade and fell off the thing, didn't Yeah, I? yeah, yeah. Didn't hurt myself, but... Yeah. So you're into you're into the horses and you're into your bikes and all back then, um, and all that stuff. So what what age are we now? Like what age are you talking now? You were about fourteen, fourteen, fifteen, or earlier than that. Oh, yeah, I still would have yeah. been in around like twelve. Huh? Yeah, yeah, because uh, stop. Let me see. Been around that time anyway. Around the same time. Yeah, now. it would have been around twelve. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why you going to force you? When you went to force you, you're about 12, 13, yeah. So it would have been around 12, yeah. Because yeah. I was only in force year for three months. Yeah. And I got fucked out. And you got fucked out of school then, yeah? Got fucked out of yeah. school, yeah. Um, the, the, thing, the thing about it is, for me, is that I, I wanted to have this conversation with you because, like, and I'm just going to interrupt. I'm just going to interrupt for a second, but... Uh, I know you obviously as as Daryl's uncle, like do you know what I mean. And we've always we've always like you've always been nothing but nice to me, like do you know what I mean. Always been nothing but nice to me. And from even back then, 
from even back then you you always like you always had a lot of time you have a lot of time for everybody like that's the sort of person that you are do yeah. you know what I mean so it's mad to hear you say like when you were younger you didn't give a shit because if anything it's the complete opposite now like do you know what I mean yeah um, which is which is good like do you know what I mean which is good because you kind of you kind of have to go I think you have to go through them sort of things when you're younger don't you where you like you have to be a little bit of a bollocks like do you know what I mean now it wasn't I was a bollocks but I obviously wasn't as extreme as like it was different times back then man that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you because like growing up back then is completely different to the way we grew up like do you know what I mean the way me and Daryl would have grown up do you know what I'm saying yeah it was um, much different yeah like that's all there was to do back around here was uh, rob cars and fucking motorbikes and shit like that to yeah. keep us out of hand do you know what I mean there was nothing in the area to keep us yeah. out of hand yeah. Rex wasn't there, there was nothing, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If you wanted to go into town, you had, or if you wanted to play pool around, you had to go into town to do it, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Play the street fighter and all that, you had to So there was no town. in Blanche? No in Blanche. fuck all in Blanche, yeah. nothing, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, getting back into the horse thing, uh, yeah. when you start building that centre, they kept pounding the horses because that's where we used to keep them. Right. So all the... Women our voice home, not all them, but a lot of women our voice home got together, had a meeting in the resource centre with the council and police and all. Mm. I was saying, look, it's the only thing that's keeping them out of trouble, just keep handling the horses. They agreed to give us a field. It'd be the field where fucking Mr. Price is now. Yeah. That yeah, field, yeah. they agreed to give us that field. Yeah, yeah. So that went on for fucking, I'd say, about six seven months so they gave you a field for the horses yeah they said yeah. they give us a field to keep us out of trouble because the horses were keeping us out of trouble yeah what but do we know that as we know that as because when we were growing up it was still wasn't and it wasn't the retail background so we know it was the rat fields eh? the rat fields that's what we used to call it yeah, yeah that was only saying that to me there the other day actually so they had they had a meeting in in the community center about like because the horses were obviously keeping us out of trouble like yeah so yeah few of the women got together and got police up, got the council up, as I said, and the council agreed to give us that field, said they wouldn't pound the horses, but it only went down for a few months, six months maybe, and they yeah. started pounding the horses again, so we used to have to sleep out, and I take turns of sleeping out to chase the pound away, Jeez. so they wouldn't take our fucking horses. Yeah. But then they started coming with police to take a horse. Yeah. And you have to remember, a horse got pounded back then, it was £150 to get it out, we were only fucking kids, so I used to have to go to my brother to get the money, my brother got me, me all, my, all my horses, all the horses that I had, my brother got them for me. Yeah. We would have had to come to him, like the horse had to get pounded, and you had to go get the horse, go out the blade, and uh, Raff Arnhem, the pound was in Raff Arnhem, and then it had to jockey the fucking things all the way home. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's mad. <coughs> Is this Joe? Joe used to. Joe, yeah, yeah. Joe. Joe 90. Yeah, yeah, Joe 90. He was yeah. a boy. He bought me all my horses that had you because obviously I didn't have them when you were so long, you know what I mean? Yeah. We were only he talking was. about this as well. This is another side note. We were only talking about this yesterday that because your brother's name is Joe 90, they call you Martin 50. Yeah, we yeah. got that nickname because he's John Knight and Martin 50. Yeah, now yeah. I have some people used to call me 45, the likes of Norton's now used to call me 45. Yeah, <laughs> half a 90, that's what I was going to say, exactly what I was going to say, 45, half a 90, but yeah. 50 stuck 
Fifty Man, stuck. Fifty yeah. stuck to forty-four yeah. fifty. You're saying to be that people normally say it to you. Do you have that nickname because of fifty cent? And you were like, "Oh, you fucking had that before." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was only saying that to Ev the other day. Someone asked me, "You named out that fifty cent?" And I was like, I "Fucking have that name before he <laughs> yeah. came out, man." <laughs> He's named after me. He's named after <laughs> you, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, no. I just interrupted there, but um. Yeah, go on, go on from there. So, like, you were, you said the last thing you were saying is that you start, uh, you start taking foy. Is that what you said? Start taking foy, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think I, I could be wrong on my age. So around, we'll say around eleven or twelve, yeah. Yeah, eleven or twelve. Yeah, and then I'll just go back a little bit more as well. When yeah, I got yeah. kicked out of school, Joe had the milk round, so I had to do all the milk all the time. Mm. And I remember, I mean. You do the milk obviously every every day of the week, but had to collect the money on Thursday and a Friday. And if you didn't get get people on the Thursday and a Friday, you had to you'd, you'd be out on the milk on a Friday night, finish at about nine o'clock Saturday morning. Mm. Come in and have your breakfast, go out and do the callbacks for the people that you didn't get the money off. Right, right, yeah. And this I remember this Saturday morning walking around. I thought I had a bleeding flu. I'm you know, told in at this this age, at mm. this stage, sorry. Yeah. Um, and I'm always sound present. And all the fella came out to me and said, you're looking bits. I said, yeah, I'm only at the finish and walk. I had something to eat. I'm out doing my car back so uh, I think I have a flu. And he said to me, tell me what you feel like. So I was told me, he's like, you're strung out on heroin. And I was like, I'm me bollocks. And he said, yeah, you said, you're finished your, your um, collections. Go back in, I'll go and get your head stuff a bag of gear. Oh, so we went to fucking Dunda. Came back to me, gaff smoked, and I was buying now, and I was sitting on the bed saying, oh, fuck, man, I'm only 14 years of age, and I'm strung out on heroin. Yeah. What am I going to do? Mm. That went on for a few years. My dad brought me into Pear Street. At the time, there was no clinics around Blanchard I had to go into Pear Street, and because I was so young. Yeah, that's still going, don't worry about Because I was so young, my dad had to come in, in with me. Because, uh, yeah, I was so young, they wouldn't give it to me. But we pulled up, and we were a little bit late. Not late, but I hadn't got out of the car. We would have been late, so I was, my dad told me to get out of the car and he'd park it. Mm. And I'm standing there waiting at the side of the building to go into Pear Street. Pear Street building, so everyone will know when they hear the other people will know. Yeah. Um, I'm standing there waiting to go into Pear Street. My dad was parking the car. Two coppers come up. Asked me what I was doing, told him, said, Why don't to get assessed to go into Bear Street to go on to a detox? And the fucking cunts arrested me. I said, At the stage around the talking to me, I'd see my dad come up the road and my dad could see the police at me. He started running up and he's saying, What you're doing? He said, We're arresting him. He think I said, He's uh, selling drugs. And I told him, I'm selling drugs. He said, He's only a bleeding kid. I'm bringing him in to do a. Uh, to get a methadone detox. Mm, yeah, yeah. But he arrested me and anyway. Brought me in, strip search me, and that was it. My dad told him, look, you're at the fucking up, you're for life, because you won't be, or you won't be bringing him back in here again, and this is what's going to happen to him every time he comes fucking in, you're going to be arresting him. Mm. So that didn't go ahead, I didn't get around to me bleeding detox. So I was just standing on the gear, I got locked up at 17, I think it was just 17, because I don't tell you, by the time I got out, it was 19. I got a four-year sentence, but I got review after two years, so I went back up in front of the judge. Yeah. I said, I have a lousy search, got a lousy search, and I was in there for a well and basketball, valley coaching, and all that shit. Mm. Yeah. So, you you were, you went to prison, 
obviously you went to prison. You said you were seventeen when you went to prison. Was seventeen, it? Seven, unfortunately. Yeah. And what was it like then when when what was it like in prison at seventeen like? I come out and saw the person that can adapt it and it was yeah. grand. Don't get me wrong, when the source gone like that, obviously it was a little bit of fear there, but once you get in, you get settled in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't want to glamorize prison, but you just had to glamour, do you know what I mean? Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, yeah. Keep the head down, yeah. Yeah, that's what, and that's what I've done, and because there was a few people there from Plantistown, yeah. we all stuck together. Yeah, you sort of form a little a little bond with people in there then, don't you? Yeah. Um, so what, you said you were 19 when you got out then? 19? 19, I went up on my radio, yeah. And because of that, I was at the ground from Patrick's to Mount Roy training, you know, like that's where I got all my search for the welding and all that. Mm-hmm. So I was with all the older lads over there. And they introduced me to meetings for Kilmer. First year trying to get me into them, I was like, I'm not fucking going in there. And when I went in, I was start relating to everything about their sounds, like, yeah, I'm kind of like this. So I uh, mm. got an assessment for Kilmer. But um, by the time I went up in front of the judge, I was at being sent back from, um, this happened to me twice, I was at being sent back from the training unit for a dirty urine. There used to be a screw there that didn't like young people being in the place. Yeah. Genuinely didn't have a dirty urine. The first time I got sent back, when I was in reception in um, Patrick's, so I'm not leaving reception till I get medic down here. And mm. luckily enough, the medic that was on was from Blanchestown, and he looked after all the Blanchestown lads. He came down. T- I said, oh, I'm not leaving here because my urine's not dirty. Yeah, so yeah. I want the urine taken on me so I can get back over there. So he took the urine on me. I got called back in about two or three weeks later. He said, Yeah, you're right. Your urine was clean. We'll get you back over. So it took about a month and I went back over. Finished off. I'm welding. That's when I finished my welding search. Got like, everything done over there. Then this prick of a screw took the urine on me again, and I got sent back. Yeah. Patrick's and done the same thing when I got to reception I said I want the medic down the medic came down took a urine it wasn't dirty mm. and he said look we'll get you back over I said I want to go back over I don't have too much long left before I go up in front of the judge and I come back over there for to be sent back again yeah yeah so then yeah went to court now I don't remember dates so just now I was 19 at the time yeah, yeah. I was there, sorry it would have been 99 halfway through 99 yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would have been half out there. Now the year, I don't know, dates, months and that. Yeah, no, you're right, yeah, yeah. So I got up in front of the judge, and uh, he was reading all my search. He said, uh, Mr. Long, he's down grey here, I'm willing to release him. Sorry, first of all, he asked, was there someone there, anyone there from Kilmine? Because he knew I wanted to go to Kilmine. Mm. And the bloke down the back of the car put his hand up, and he asked him, he said, yeah, come, do you come up for a minute? And he was asking, when do you have a bed for me, uh, Mr. Long? Mm. He said, we have a bed for him. The next day, and he said, "What, what time can you go there?" And he was like, "You can go, you can come out." So it was at about ten o'clock. Mm. So the judge turned around and said, <coughs> oh, "We've no problem releasing Mister Long today. He has a, he's doing great in prison." But um, I put my hand up, and the judge said, "Yeah, do you want to say something, Mister Long?" I said, "Yeah, can I speak to?" And he said, "Yeah, walk away." So the local will send me back to prison. And he said. You want to go back? I'm releasing you. I'm not putting any conditions on you. Can't take out the kill when you're yeah. doing well. This is what review is all about. You went in, you got put your head down, got your search done, everything you're doing very well. Yeah. He said, and you want to go back to prison? He said, Why? I said, Because I'm, I turned around and said, The judge said, I'm afraid if I go out there tonight, you're not putting any conditions on me. If I go out and see my friends, I won't go out the kill and end up back on fucking drugs straight away. Mm. 
so the judge respected that. Yeah. Tom said, we would send her back. I just turned around and said to the judge, what's the next 12 hours going to do to me in prison? I've been there, been there for 10 or 2 years already. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And, uh, and yeah. while you were there, did you, sorry for interrupting you, but while you were there, did you detox off everything then? Or were you off everything? Yeah, no, yeah I was off everything. When yeah. you went to prison, they give you a detox. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back then, there wouldn't have been maintenance. What, 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 the methadone I'm on now was called the maintenance, so I can stay on that for the rest of my life. But back then, there wouldn't have been a yeah. called the maintenance. They would have just give you a detox. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I was well, I was well clean, still clean in, in yeah. Patrick's. So you went back then for, for, for 12 hours, did you say? Is that, is that what you went back for? Around, yeah, around 12 hours, yeah. Yeah. And then you got out, and did you go to Kilmoyne then, after that? Yeah, what happened was the judge called, said to your man, look, he said, when you said you'd have him there at 10 o'clock, he said, I want you outside that gate of uh, St. Patrick's Institution at half nine. Yeah. So yeah. Martin's ready to walk out the gates at 10 o'clock. I don't want him spending any more time in jail than he, than he needs to. Yeah, yeah. He said, I'll go more if I want to go back to prison. He obviously has his head screwed on. He doesn't want to end up back on drugs. Mm. But look, yeah. at the time, I didn't understand addiction. When I got to Kilmore, then I could hear music coming from uh, when I was in Kilmore. I just heard music. Water bar wasn't built when I went into the prison. Mm. And I remember asking the one of the fucking counselors what's that music and you're like oh that's a new pub that being built the disco bar and I said turn around saying to them, oh, that's grand I'll be in there my mates in the grill and they're trying to tell me you can't do that you can't drink you're only you're, you're an addict like you have an addictive personality mm. but I didn't understand addiction at the time no yeah and you have to remember when I went into prison I didn't like drinking and I was thinking I'm not going to get out here I'm going to be drinking you know? yeah Cause yeah because you didn't you didn't put the problem with drink because you never drank before yeah yeah, yeah I, I didn't you understand the yeah. you know I mean? yeah no I guess yeah. Too, I was just too young do you know mm. what I mean when yeah, I went into yeah. treatment I was just too young didn't understand addiction uh, addiction I thought I could get out and do all that mm. yeah, so that's yeah. what I've done by the time I even left um, Kilmore I was drinking you get to a stage where it's called phase C mm. or phase 2 sorry you go walk and you walk you go back to Kilmore but you just have to write out a little um call it a letter I forget what you say and I'm just call it a little letter saying what you want to do you're going to go out and you're going to do this and that or you'll yeah, just be going yeah. out and going fucking drinking yeah came when I got wind of it and come back from a girlfriend's house I'm not going to say her name coming back from a girlfriend's house <laughs> one, one day <laughs> I'm not going to say her name <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. right. sorry yeah coming back from her house one day and this is the bleeding daytime Gets a phone call on my mobile phone, first time ever having a mobile phone. Mm. Yeah, and it's the main man out killing me and saying to me, Martin, I'd have a talk with you. We think I'm back on the drink. Or we think I'm out there drinking. Mm. And I'm walking down the road back to Kilmer and anyway, with a bottle of blade and drink in my hand, a bottle of Budweiser. I said to him, Yeah, I'll be down to you now in a minute. I'm just around the corner, I'll be around to you. And I went back into Kilmer and he said to me, Look, you have the option of staying here for another two or three months or else you can go. Because mm. I'm here a year already, I'm out of here. Thought I had me problems, just to thought, I thought I had me, uh, thought it would have been all right going back out. Thought, mm. I had it, thought it was brand new. But that's what brought me back there. That's how I started drinking then, and then from drinking, taking coke, staying out from fucking Friday to Monday. Yeah. Just doing coke. That yeah. went down for about six years. Jesus. And I remember one day sitting in a, 
my mate's house just across the road. Heroin was popped into my head. And I just went with the force talking into my van and went and bought a bag of heroin. And I was around about 23, I think. Mm. And that's it. I was back on bleeding heroin. As soon as I got the taste for it, that's it. I was back on it. Mm. I was down the coke, but I did I did like it, but I didn't. If you, this is probably not going to make sense. Or, or, or like doing it for the sake, it just, sake, sake of sake doing it. Because yeah. everybody else was doing yeah. it. I was doing it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get but, you. Uh, as soon as the gear popped back into my head, that was it. I was gone. I remember going off, getting it. I only smoked half the bag. I went back to my mate's gaff, and I was going, you stupid cunt. And I said, what? And you know, but my first I was stoned, so I was at the end back down gear. And mm. I was like, you stupid bastard, what you doing? Yeah. But that. Sorry, I'm at the skipping forward a bit there. The coke was at the getting a hold of me at this stage. I was doing coke every fucking day then. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Skip forward a bit there, sorry. Yeah. Um, the coke was at the getting a hold of me. I was doing coke every single day. I used to have to go down the milk. Do my own milk round at this stage. I used to have to bring a bread and quarter of coke with me. And I want a bag from me to help her. So they wouldn't ask me for it. Uh, now my quarter. My yeah, quarter of coke. yeah. And I'd be only out down the middle for about three hours and be gone to a fucking quarter coke. So it was cost, it only cost me money to go out the blade and walk. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. That way, yeah, 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 it would be. It would be sort of like costing you more than what you're actually getting, like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because I'm just fucking snorting as I'm going around, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so the coke got a hold of me first, sorry, and that's how. Then one day I just sitting in my mate's house. Huh? ああ、てかまかぶるとてこわ。わあ、さ、あれてかまかぶるそう。いやいやいやいや。いや、顔から入るみそうえ。すんのみがみ、みがいすか。ゲートパッドンとみへ。うん。ゴルガルガラ。あ
it's sort of like a bleeding, a constant thing that you have to keep yourself accountable for, isn't it? Like, yeah, well, that's for the rest of my life now. Do you know what I mean? I'm yeah. an addict, even though I'm off heroin, I'm still on my methadone. Yeah, yeah. You still class ourselves as addicts. Yeah. You call it a, a disease of the mind. Yeah, it's yeah. called the disease of the mind, yeah. Disease of the mind, yeah. I've heard that before myself, yeah. Yeah, that's what it's called. We suffer with a disease of the mind, yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. You need to keep going to your meetings to fucking keep your head together. Yeah. I know it's tough. Like, like, it's just hearing the story even from when you were 10 up until, like, 23, and I know there's more to it as well. Like, it's just... For me, it's, 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 it's mad to hear, like, do you know what I mean? Because, like... As as I say, it's that like it's sort of that like roller coaster, and I'm sure anyone listening is the same. Like it's mad for them to hear like that that young as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Which is is nuts. Like, but anyway, sorry, we'll keep going. So you're 23, you're back on you're back on heroin then, and what? Where does it where does it take you then? Are you on it for another year? To like what what happens to? You? I was on for fucking. Yeah, only up until. Just before me, ma passed away. Mm. That's when I started. Reduced me or something and smoking about five bags a gear a day. Five <coughs> bags a gear a day, yeah? Five a day, yeah. Mm. Probably more sometimes and taking tablets on top of that. But, uh, and is that up until, so up until from when you're, when you're 23, up until just before your ma passed away, um, are you in an hour treatment centres then? Like in between that time? No, we didn't go to any. The only extremist center I went to was when I was with a girl, a girl that I was with. I'm not going to mention any names. A girl that I was with. Um, yeah. When I was on the coke, I went to a treatment center, but I only stayed there for two weeks. Now, mm. yeah, you can blame this if you want, but it is kind of a blame as well. I didn't really want to be there. I was there for her. Do you know what I mean? Trying to get off drugs or what? The you wrong know? reasons, like, yeah. The wrong reasons. Yeah. You're never going to get off drugs. You need to deal for yourself. You're never going to get off drugs or anyone else. Your fucking girlfriend or yeah. whoever it may be you think you're going to deal for, your kids are in. You're not going to do it. It has to be for yourself. You don't yeah. want it. Yeah, of course, man. Of course. But, uh, yeah, when I was in that treatment centre down in Limerick, they were all off buying drink. You know, going out to, uh, out to the off-lights and, and drinking in the bleeding hay barn. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Like, uh, that was my excuse to go. I was like... Ray, my girlfriend at the time I said there's no point in me being here do I have me drink every fucking night mm. but I didn't want to be there and anyway yeah, yeah. I was only there for a whole yeah well she begged me and asked me will you just, oh, just stay just stay and I was like no I'm getting the train just, I'm getting the train pick me up be at Houston station you want fucking another friend of mine that drove the van uh, to meet me at Houston station mm. he even got on the phone to me and was like we do not just stay there and I was like no it was a lot of bollocks they're all drinking and all but that was just my excuse I could have put them up to one side and just walked on myself it was just I didn't want to get my head to get out of that time, do you know I mean? yeah yeah no I know I know and as you said you were, you were doing it for the wrong reasons mm-hmm. so so then from from in between that time it's just would you say then it's just like it just sort of like a blur of what was going on you were just you were just constantly taking gear taking tablets or what way was it from from there on like, like you said from that night that you went around and you said fuck this i'm going to get to get a bag of heroin and when you got the bag of heroin where does it go from there then yeah no i wouldn't didn't go back taking it every day i would have been i thought first time i done it as i said done half it then that night i done the other half it didn't even do it right because it was so long since you did it since yeah. i've done it right. since i've done it but it was 
og stille gør stavnet på dig, og du langt hjemme for sådan noget. Nogle små nogle måder, så har du på hejsaffe. Ja, fra der fucking old man jo sådan her, probably once a week. Han stille gør en af partyen, der er en kogen der. Ja, det er antal. Kommer back at nogle nogle måneder, der går partyen fra Friday til fucking måneder, kommer back til en handfuld tablets, der går på sleep, og sådan har jeg den dag til bjørn sådan. Okay, I'm obviously meant to be here for a reason. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so that went down for about, I would say, another year partying and down heroin every now and then, and then the heroin got a hold of me again. Yeah. Like, that's how we ended up breaking away from all of me, the good friends that I had around here, because like, at one stage when we were younger, there was about 30 of us hanging around together, we used to around on BMXs. Some of us went on drugs, the others didn't. But uh, when I went back on heroin, I just felt like I couldn't be around them. Because uh, I'm not the type of person that I go around and I have a conscience, you know what I mean? And I kind of felt fucking yeah. that I didn't fit in with them. Even though I, looking back now, I knew they wouldn't have judged me, they would have tried to help me, you know? But mm-hmm. I just didn't feel right in myself, didn't feel comfortable being around them, being addicted to heroin, because mm-hmm. they weren't into it, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I broke away from them. Just kind of went on my own. Then it's back in and out of prison. That I'm scared, obviously. Drugs obviously brought me back in and out of prison because it's out robbing to get the money for drugs. Mm. Um, yeah, so. And what, what's the, what's the, the longest amount of time that you spent in prison? The longest amount of time I spent in prison was, um, 40, 42 months or something, nearly three years. Nearly three years, yeah. Yeah, at this time, at this stage, I think, I forget the year now, but I went in and I was down an 18-month sentence. Came to the end of that 18 months, coming to the end of that 18-month sentence, I had two weeks left. Mm. But I still had another charge hanging out of my head. So I fucking taking chase out the police. Mm-hmm. This stage, I was robbing cars. Back robbing cars to yeah. sell them. Yeah. To get money. But uh And when you're going into prison, are you are you getting are you detoxing every time you go in? Or did like as the years as the times changed, did it change how accessible drugs were in prison then? Yeah, well the um fourth time I went back into prison after the being sixteen, that was the fourth time I got sentenced. The fourth time I went back into prison I was on what you call a maintenance now, the maintenance was right, oh, you can stay on it, as I said, you can stay on maintenance for the rest of your life. Yeah. But, I was in Clover Hill for a few months on remand, and uh, then when I got sentenced, I ended up getting off the methadone myself, and they, well, they, they obviously brought me down off, I said, look, I have enough for this, I want down off, I yeah. ended up coming down off. But prison is a hard place to do as well, because it's fucking, sometimes it's easier to get, in prison than it is on the streets, you know. Right, yeah, yeah. So it's harder to go in prison. So mm. yeah, on my last few sentences, that would have done. I would have been using drugs every day in prison. Jeez. Well, sorry, one of them I came off from what came off me methadone. But uh, <clears throat> I just have a smoke every now and then, take a few tablets every now and then. Mm. Last time I was in prison. I wasn't on the methadone. I was after coming off on the outside. I was with a girl living over in Dundrum with a girl 
and I was on my methadone, taking 100 mils of methadone every day, plus smoking probably about five or six bags of gear again on top of that. Mm. I remember a horse sent me one day, I gonna have to come off one of them. And of course, me being a sneaky cunt, I said, yeah, I'll come off the bleeding the foy because foy is much harder to come off than heroin. I said, I'll come off the foy fort and so can detox off the heroin because the foy is too hard to come off. The foy is very, very hard to come off. But that was just my brand, me being sneaky, so I could get to still smoke me heroin. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And she accepted that. She was like, yeah, right, that's grand. Yeah. So yeah. I just stopped collecting me methadone just went flat, flat out on the heroin again. That's mad. I, I didn't know that. The foy is harder to get off than, than heroin is. Yeah, yeah, it's much harder to get off. Like, uh, if you went through, came off um, heroin, yeah, right, in about a month's time. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you have to do a detox. You still have to go on. Some people go with cold turkey. It's very hard to do, but I wouldn't be able to do it. I know for a fact I wouldn't be able to do it. Mm. If you get on, you do a detox. Just do a quick detox, maybe for about three months, and get off the start jam or whatever, 40 mils. Yeah, yeah. And you come down after, you drop five mils every two weeks. Mm. It's up to yourself, really. Yeah. Well, some yeah. people drop five mils every two weeks. Yeah. So yeah. you're not letting the five get into your system. What happens with five? I don't know if this is true. People say I get in drop arms, but I think that's a lot of bollocks. It's just. It's very hard to come off, but I know, I know, just know that. When you come off it, it takes you fucking probably about two or three months even to get your sleep back. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's Jesus. Jesus. So it's much easier to come off heroin than mm. I know this sounds fucking stupid. It's meant to be a substitute for heroin, but it's much easier to come no, off heroin it sounds, than it is. No, it sounds about right, to be honest, because to me it sounds like your body is more reliant on foy than what it would be for heroin then do you know what I'm saying yeah probably that's yeah. the again I'm, I'm asking you because I haven't I haven't a braise like do you know what I mean so yeah um, well that's yeah you'd be right there like, yeah. I don't know what people say get into it gets into your bounce but I don't know if that's true being honest with you I'm yeah. not a fucking doctor I don't know if it's true but, yeah. but all I know is it's much harder to come off it yeah. and uh, I'm on it now and I know I'm not losing that when I start coming down on my methadone yeah that yeah. uh I'm going to need to go into a, a treatment centre. Yeah, you'll need to go in there, yeah. Yeah, if people are saying to me, you'd be able to do it on the outside, Martin, right now. Well, I think in my head, it sounds like if it's start feeling the withdrawals, I'll be gone for heroin again. Because withdrawals mm. are a bastard to go through. Very fucking hard to, to do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, uh, if you're in a treatment centre, as I said, again, you're in a bubble. Mm. They look after you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're not out in the streets, you're taking out society, you don't have drugs in your face all the time, you don't see people walking around. You know, you know he has drugs in his pocket. Yeah. You know, you're going through withdrawals, and you know someone has a heroin in their pocket. You're going to want it. Do you know what I mean? No, I know. Yeah. See, that's that's what's mad to me because, like, when you're when you're telling me this story, to me it sounds like when you've always wanted to get help and do it, you've always wanted to do it for yourself. Like, do you know what I mean? You've never been against it. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, I'm sure, obviously, throughout the years, I'm sure somebody and people, your family and that and your friends have come to you and say, "Listen, I think you need to go and." into a treatment centre, I think you need to go and do this. But to me, it sounds like, like, you, you've, where your head is now, like, is, to me, it sounds like it's, it's solid, like, you know what you want to do, like, do you know what I mean? And you know what the path is and how long the journey is, like, do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, my journey's going to be a long one. Like, if they go back on to the TRP and I'm, I'm doing assessments for the, to go into me, back into my day program. Go back on Daily. to that. Yeah. But, uh, I get me meetings, I still get me meetings and all that, yeah. Mm. Like, I'm under no illusions that, no, that this is a lifetime thing. Yeah, I yeah. have to keep going to meetings for the rest of my life. Yeah. To stay clean. When I'm at some of them meetings, there's people there and they say that. 24, 25 year clean and all like, and they're still going to meetings, you know. Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm under no illusions that this is going to be a lifelong thing for me if I yeah. want to keep me head right. Because you stop going to your meetings and you had to do it. You'd even hear people talking at meetings that they'd say, right, do you get into shoplifting and they'd say, if they picked up a bar and put it in their pocket, that conscience be at them because they're, they're trying to live a, yeah, yeah. A, an honest life now, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You'd come into a meeting and share that, or I fucking picked up a bar today and put it in my pocket. I know you're only saying to some people, like it's a marriage bar, but to them, to the likes of myself and other people, that's a relapse starting to ha- happen before oh, yeah, you okay. even pick up the drugs. You're, you're relapse. If you get yourself clean and off everything and you're going to your meetings and a relapse, what happens is how people relapse is they stop going to their meetings so your relapse happens subconsciously in your head you stop doing all these things you know what I mean you yeah, have to stand yeah. the up yeah. you're not being honest as I said to go back to the marsh bar sort of thing the bar yeah. of chocolate you're taking things out of shops you're not walking a program mm. mm-hmm. and then is a bleeding 12 step program you have to walk the steps now I don't know much about them because mm. I haven't started them yet yeah, and I don't plan to start them until I'm off my methadone and all that. Yeah, but yeah, we'll go to the meetings because they helped me. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Around like-minded people, and if there's stuff in your mind, you go into it. You want stuff in your mind, you want to get stuff off your chest, and you win. You just share it. No one's gonna judge you. You're in the in realm with like-minded people. Do you know what I mean? Mm. No one will judge you. Yeah. It's so great. that's like a safe. It's like a safe spot for you. You was to, to yeah, uh, look at the talk, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, it's a safe spot for anyone to go in and talk yeah. about what's going on for them on that day. And as well, you have to take it day by day. You know, you can't look too far into the future and say, well, I'm going to be down this and so so much time. Don't get me wrong, you can obviously plan holidays and all that shit, but mm, mm. you kind of have to keep it in the day, say, right, I'm clean for today. Yeah. And that's it. You, know, you can't say, I'm clean for the rest of my life. You don't know what's around the bleeding corner. You don't know when you're gonna relapse. Yeah. You know? No, I know, I know. And it's a, it's a, like it's a, it's it's more power <coughs> to you, like, and you should be you should be proud of yourself as well. You know what I mean? Because you have to me, it sounds like you have the right mentality to it. Like, do you know what I mean you're, you're you're thinking very very clearly with it? Like, do you know what I mean? And now I'm not someone that could sit here and say to you, you have the right mentality because I can't even imagine going through what you've had to go through. Like, do you know what I mean? So I mean, I'm just saying to you that basically in a long-winded way fair play to you because most people not most people i just think that a lot of people and i don't know if you would agree with it but knowing people like that i think a lot of them would be like in denial about themselves do you know what i mean yeah and be like i don't have a problem we could stop tomorrow or i could stop <coughs> sort of next week or whatever or this is my last one and then i'm gonna go get the help i need and so on and so forth Um. Yeah, I think I think some people might be in a bit in denial as well with themselves. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, to get yourself clean, of course, you have to realise that you're an addict. You have to accept I'm an addict. Yeah, yeah. Or else yeah. you're not going to get yourself clean. If you don't accept you're an addict, you're not going to get yourself clean because you 
people like that that think they don't have a problem, but they do have a problem. Mm. You have to accept the first before you can deal with it. Yeah, no, hundred percent, man. You're absolutely right. But in the, in in the midst in the midst of all this, and I want to make sure that we talk about this as well. But in the midst of all this happening, and you're only now a treatment, and then you you're you're back on heroin, and you're battling that as well. Then something something else life changing happened. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, lost my leg. Lost your leg. Yeah. yeah, lost my fucking leg. Yeah. Now on our people around the area, some a lot of people around the area would think it's from using drugs. It's not. Yeah. Not, I'm not being smart here. I don't give a fuck what people think. I know what how it happened. Yeah. Yeah. I've told the story to many people. Mm-hmm. <coughs> so it's me. it's what just so people understand, so people listening, because obviously we're sitting here, we could see it, like you know mm-hmm. what I mean. So. It's from just under your knee down, isn't it? Yeah, below the knee amputation, it's called, yeah. Below the knee amputation that you, that, that, that you have, yeah. Rick, go on, sorry, continue. Yeah, how did yeah. that happen? So how that happened was sitting in the house at about 11 o'clock one night, and this stage, I mean, what I was still living in the house, I was looking after me, man. <coughs> sorry. When I got out of um, prison in 2014, I was at the finishing with that girl. When I was in prison, that I was living with Alvin uh, Dundrum, a finisher whore in prison. Because mm. I was only with the girl because she accepted what I'd done, you know what I mean? So yeah. I finished her whore and came back, me with my ma to look out to my ma when she had the dementia. Mm-hmm. But anyway, getting back there, I lost my leg. Yeah, I was sitting here about 11 o'clock one night and um, my dog Toby wanted to go to the, to, uh, the toilet. Mm-hmm. The girl next door to me was at the pulling down the wall because the wall was loose. She had to be in the house next door. The wall was loose. I said, that wall needs to come down. Mm-hmm. And he said he'd put it back up. It was down for about two years, I think. But and then he was about 11 o'clock at night. He told me my dog wanted to go to the toilet. So I let him out to go to the toilet. And at the same time, my ma, I heard my ma saying, Martin, I'm going to bed. And I used to fear that she was going to fall down the stairs as she was going, walking up the stairs because yeah. she had the dementia, like, you know. Yeah. So Toby jumped over the wall because it was so low to sniff at a dog two doors up. Mm-hmm. So when I seen him sniffing at the dog two hours up and heard me ma saying, Martin, I'm going up to bed. I was like, I need to get the dog. So I ran, put my foot on the right wall, my uh, right foot on the wall. The wall's only four bricks high. When I landed, I landed on all the bricks that she was at the stack, stacking up. Mm-hmm. And whatever way, my bone twisted, it blocked my artery. But at the time, it didn't feel so. And now we had to remember as well, it was over here on tablets at this time as well. Mm. So at the time when that <clears throat> happened, you didn't feel like, oh, it was just like a little scrape, like sort of thing. That's the way it you just felt. just felt like I was at the twist of my ankle. I've done yeah, it many yeah. times, jumping over walls or even getting off big horses, jumping down off big yeah, horses. Like, yeah. When I was younger, my horses were big, especially one of them was very big. I've done it a few times, like twisted my ankle. Like, mm. You do it anything, you can twist your ankle walking across That's the field. It just saying, felt yeah. like that, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I came in, got my man into bed told me ma I said ma I'm at the first of my ankle but said to her, it was a small bit sore but it wasn't too sore you know yeah, so yeah, I just yeah. thought it was at the twist and I'd be alright in the morning yeah. when my ma having dementia she was like ah will you fuck off you only twist your fucking ankle <laughs> 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 but yeah uh, that's just the way my ma was even before way, she got yeah. at the dementia she was just a bleeding character she was a buzzer yeah, buzzer yeah, yeah. but um, yeah then I'm I got my ma out of bed Going into bed myself, it was about half eleven. Didn't go to sleep. The pain just kept getting worse and worse because you had to remember there's no blood getting down to me foot. You know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. The pain kept, kept 
second most and most stuff. So about seven o'clock in the morning, we took the dough bag out of my leg, and the leg was about twice the size it should have been, and brown and all the kind of nail by looking at it myself. This leg doesn't look right, you know what I mean? I kind of yeah. nail had in my head. That's a, and what was it like a build up of blood, or, or what was it? It was because the blood wasn't getting down to me foot. Oh, sorry, right, uh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. It got infected in the mm. infection build up, you know. Jesus. So yeah, I rang the ambulance. Part of the reason why I didn't want to ring the ambulance straight away was because my ma was in the house. When I started getting sore during the night, my ma was in the house. I didn't want to go to the hospital and leave my ma in the house with dementia. I didn't want to ring my sisters up late all hours in the morning and say, come down, I need to go to the hospital. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's how it happened. Look, even when the ambulance man got here to me, I got here. <clears throat> he said to me, had a look at the leg and said, I'm sorry to tell you, but I think you're going to lose that leg. And I said, yeah, it doesn't look right. I said, I thought that myself. But when I got the Blanchetown Hospital and a doctor came over to me and had a look at my injury and said to me, yeah, Martin, I think I'm going to have to take a leg off. That's when the shock kind of set in and I told yeah. I said to him, look, if you don't go down my face, I'm going to punch the head off. Oh, you told the doctor? I told the doctor <laughs> to punch the yeah, head off yeah. you, but... I was in blade and shock from yeah, my course, yeah. hearing my leg was going to be took off. Mm. So that I was brought to Blanderstown Hospital. But um, I remember sitting in an A&E, place was blade and packed. I was on a bed. They obviously had to put me on a bed because I couldn't put any pressure on my leg. But I'm sitting, not even in a cubicle, just sitting at the nurse's blade station, waiting mm. to be transferred to um, the Matta Hospital. Mm. But to get me leg amputated. But uh, that doctor walked back by me. Me being me, the person that I am, I don't. As I said, I'm, I'm not being big out of here, but I no, treat no, people sure. with respect, you know yeah, I mean? Yeah, I even said it, yeah. I yeah. had to apologise to that doctor, and he understood. He said, listen, I understand. He said, I get it all the time, and I'm telling people that you had to get something mad, but I don't like to hear it. Yeah, you, yeah, You're giving out, and he said, it's not the first time someone told me that they punched me head in. He said, mm. I just shook his hand and said, thanks for doing whatever you've done for me. All they could do for me there was give me morphine to kill the pain. Mm. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I think it was, I was in Blanchardstown Hospital, I think it was about nine o'clock at night, and they brought me to the Matta Hospital. Yeah. Why it took so long, I don't know, but left there, then fucking the pain was around us, I'll never I'd forget say it. So, yeah. around us, yeah. say so. And because I'm on methadone, it's so hard to get the methadone as painkiller in itself. Mm. So it's so hard to get people's pain under control when they're on methadone. Right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So even with the morphine, I wasn't doing it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Then we got the, the matter. No, I can't remember the fella's name. But he looked at my leg and says, you were in for an amputation. Said to, what didn't say to me, sorry, he said to the two ambulance men, is he in for an amputation? And the ambulance man said, yeah. And he introduced himself to me, he asked me his name, and told me his name, he said... I'm going to be looking after you without the amputations. Mm. He's a lovely, lovely uh, doctor. Sounds matter treating me great. I remember asking him, when, when will I be getting my leg amputated? And he said, uh, on Thursday. No. And I think this was on a Saturday. I had it up and anyway. And it was like... On a fucking Thursday? What? Yeah, six, six days, days away. Yeah. And I said, wow, six days away. And he said, yeah, well, that's when the next lot is. 
for uh, people to be empathized with. Fucking hell, man. And then when the doctor came in to me the next day, I was like, I'm not being told you're going to be empathized until six days. He said, yeah, well, what we're going to do? He said, we want to try kill you, kill your infection or putting you on uh, the strongest antibiotics intravenous in through my vein. Right. To try to kill the infection, he said to me, "Force, we're gonna force try take, we're gonna try take our towels. Mm. Just take your towels off. Yeah, yeah. But the infection wouldn't uh, couldn't get rid of the infection. Was at the same in too deep. Fuck. So uh, <clears throat> he told me, tell me that said, look, you're gonna, it's gonna have to be amputated below, from below the knee. Then <clears throat> a couple of days later, I'm in the bathroom." Had to go in, in the wheelchair and stand up on this one leg, stripped down, couldn't get into the shower because the shower does a big step into the shower. Mm. And I ended up having a body wash in the bathroom next door. The bathroom door swings open and it's a nurse. She said, the sergeant wants it outside. And I said, no, you're not ready to go to surgery. You're not going to surgery and torture you. And he said, the sergeant wants it outside. And I went down and he said, because my leg was swelling so much, they had to put cura at both sides, put two incisions, they call it incisions, so yeah, that the swelling yeah, out. Yeah. And he says to me, this is when I got a free. He says to me, yeah, when I bring you down to put these two incisions in your leg now, he said, oh, no, boy, the muscle, if it's strong enough, he said, you might come back today with your whole leg gone. And it was like bollocks, because when you get a full amputation, it's much harder to... To adjust, like, to adjust yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it's obviously a full fucking false yeah. leg. But I know one person, with it. I don't know him personally, but I know him from around the area. No, of them, yeah, yeah. And he goes around on crutches. Mm. I got a bit of a fright, not a bit of a fright, I got a big fucking fright that time, I was like bollocks, I'm probably going to wake up with my whole leg gone, I got my head around the fact that half my leg was going to be gone, I'll be grand, I'll be able to walk, you know, I'll get used to a prosthetic leg. Mm. I remember and then you put me to sleep and woke up, and the nurse was walking by. As I woke up, there was a scene I walking by, I called her, and I forget the girl's name, I called her and said, she said, yeah, Mark, what's wrong to so if I still got my leg and I had to remember on my elbow, I had to come in over bleeding and an anesthetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could have just checked myself to see if I got my leg. I was just yeah. called towards like if I still got my leg, said, Yeah, you're grand, you have your leg, you'll be getting the below the knee amputation, so it was just kinda lovely. Grand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so then when I came back around, fucking brought back relief, up to the man. ward. Jesus, imagine that relief, I'd say you're fucking Yeah, I was like lovely, <laughs> even though I only wasn't half my leg, I was like lovely fucking yeah. I would be able to walk now, you know what I mean? At least I'd be able to walk. And like that's that's I don't know I don't know how you just like as you said, you're the sort of person that you just get on with it, like you adapt to these things, like you know what I mean? But still, like if I woke up and below my knee was gone. I, I, I wouldn't handle it the way you did anyway, man. That's what that's for fucking sure. Like that's what I mean. Like do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, as you said there, I can adapt to things. You know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. The way my lifestyle has been, you have to adapt to certain situations. Mm. The likes mm. of going into prison or whatever the case may be, situations to get yourself into. You just have to adapt. So I can adapt to situations. Yeah, because you know? I remember me and Daryl went up to see it, and you were fresh, like you were brand new. You were like, ah, look, it is what it is, like. And I was just like, that's that's nuts to me, like, you know what I mean? That you would just, that you'd have that sort of, I don't know, that sort of outlook on it, you know what I mean? After everything that you've been through and then that happening as well, like, do you know what I mean? It's just, it's crazy. Anyway, go on, sorry. Yes, what can you do about it, like, do you know what I mean? The day after my soldier, was the day after, maybe two days after by the time I came around and after I got my leg taken off by the time the drugs wore off and all, 
Mm. I was asking them, when am I going to the gym? When am I going to the gym? And one of the locks turned around and said, when are you going to the gym? He said, you're in that bed for six days, you're not allowed over. And I was like, what? I'd stay in bed for six days? It's <laughs> like, fuck's sake, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, 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 what was it like then from there? Like, was it, was it, did they let you into the gym? Like, did you go to the physio straight away or what? No, I had, as I said, I had to stay in the bed for six days right. with a bleeding catheter in to go to the toilet and all that shit. And yeah, I had to yeah. use, if I wanted to go to the toilet, I don't know what they were going to call it. Yeah, I had yeah, to yeah. use a bleeding sit on the this bed. This podcast, you can say whatever, yeah. say whatever, man. Go for the shite. Have know. a shite, yeah. <laughs> I had to bleed and hold myself up on the bed and bleed and shit into a bleeding, like a baby's little yoke, whatever they call the fucking things I forget now. Yeah, it was horrible, horrible, yeah, horrible, yeah. horrible. Yeah. horrible. But yeah, I remember my brother-in-law coming up to me and saying, uh, I'd love to be in bed for six days and I said, you wouldn't have bollocks, my ribs and all that kill me, you know, with them hospital beds the way they bend up, with yeah, yeah, ribs yeah. and all, I couldn't wait to get out of bed. Oui. But after the, the six days, on the sixth day, the sword, three surgeons came in, mm. four of them, one of them was a student fella. Yeah. Now the student fella was, he was more or less qualified but he was the one doing all the talking. So I'm right, saying to the main person of the ward, I forget what they call them, the main person of the ward, and anyway, it was a woman on at the day, on the day. Mm. Just saying, you need to take that catheter out and all so we can go stack on the toilet proper. Yeah. Uh, it's, in, it's in them over a week now. But it's in six days. Mm. Mm-hmm. That can cause infection in itself, you're saying. And your woman yeah. at, is at the end of the bed saying, oh, would you not just leave it in? And, your man turned around and said, no, it's coming out and that's it. Like mm. The reason she wanted to left in was she thought when I got out of that bed that I was going to be all over the hospital and not do what they asked me to do. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. When they took the catheter out, when they took the catheter out, um, I got out of the bed. I got yeah. help off someone. I mean, they had the, the bars pulled up. Yeah. But at the end of it, there was a little gap. So yeah. I said, oh, I need to get out of this bed. There's a chair beside me bed, an armchair, you know. Yeah. I need to get out of the bed to get me ribs straightened up, get me back and all straightened up. Yeah. So I said to my hand in the next bed, I said, pull that chair out beside me a bit, will you? And I got out and he helped me onto the chair. And mm-hmm. the nurse came in and said, this is the reason why I didn't want them taking you out. Look, you're out of bed already. I said, I'm after being in the bed for six days. I'm in bits. She said, your wheelchair will be here at uh, half one. Mm-hmm. She said, do not get back into the bed for me. I was... At first I was fighting with her, not fighting with her, but just disagreeing with her, saying, I'm not getting back into the bed, I'm in a six days, I'm in bits, my yeah. back is killing me, my ribs are killing me, I want to just need to sit up straight, I'm sitting in an armchair. Mm-hmm. It's not as if I can walk away. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, how many have a leg? She's like, no, she wanted me back in the bed. She said, your wheelchair will be here at half one. I said, so I said, I'll tell you what, I'll make a deal. Said, my wheelchair is not here by, ha- uh, by two o'clock. I said, you're saying half one. I said, things for, don't always go to time in the hospital. Mm. I said, if it's not here by two o'clock, she, said, she turned around and said to me, it's down getting service at the minute, I'll be here at half one. I said, if it's not here by two, I'll do it there. If it's not here by two o'clock, I said, I'm getting out of that bed and I'm sitting back on that chair so I can sit up straight. Yeah, she yeah. said, I promise you, I'll have your wheelchair here by half one, two o'clock at the latest. Yeah. And fair play to them, they had it there for about a quarter to at the wheelchair there. So I was able to fly around the hospital. Around the wheelchair. Then, yeah. That's I think that's when we seen you then when you were you were able to float around the wheelchair on your own then, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Did we go for a smoke that time? Yeah, we, we were out having a smoke, the three of us, yeah, 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 I remember, yeah. yeah. But then after that then, so you're out of bed, are you 
are you going like do they put you into physio straight away or what way does that work um talk about I think I took about a week by the time I went to physio right and are you in the hospital for that week still or are you out no, I'm still in the matter. Yeah, still, yeah, still in the matter, matter at this stage. Right, right? Yeah, yeah. So they've just done a little bit of physio. What they got doing was you are bring me down and lying me on a hard, hard bed. Yeah, yeah. And uh, get me to get on my stomach and bend my stump. That's what we have. Yeah. Me half call now you call it a stump. Yeah. Residual limb, if you want to put the right name on it, but yeah. we just call it a stump. Get me to move that up and down. Because you know, I must have just cut in half. Like I remember, they had me down on the bed in the ward. The surgeons came in and said, "Get on your stomach for a minute and see so you can you bend your stump." Mm. Your residual limb, they were calling. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, we just call it a stump, so everyone knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, "Yeah," and I was, I'm putting all my effort into this, and I looked, looked behind. Me, I said, "Is it open?" He said, "Yeah, it's open." I thought my leg was going, my stump was going to be bent properly. Mm. I looked and. It's, about two or three inches out of the bed and said, it's up, that's not open. He said, that's great for what it's been through. Like, yeah, yeah. You had to work on this to get it back strong. Because mm. he wanted me to do that, as he said, he said, we, we needed to do that every day. But getting mm. back to the physio part, that's what I was doing yeah. in the matter at the time. Yeah. I was yeah. just going down and getting my stump, moving my stump. So I'll get, you need to get movement in it, in it, obviously, if you want to start walking again. Yeah. Um, yeah, and... When I was in bed, I had to keep it straight and all. I had on a pillow one day, and I remember the surgeon coming in to me saying, you, you can't do that. You, you had to keep it straight yeah, so yeah. the muscle doesn't end up locking. Do you know, yeah, your yeah. leg is bent, the muscle would have ended up locking, and my leg would, my stump would have been bent. I wouldn't have been able to walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was only small bits of physio in the, the matter. Right. And then I got from after about five, five and a half weeks, I got moved to Kappa Hospital. Yeah. To do your physio, the proper physio. Yeah, do yeah. the proper physio, yeah. And again, I'm only in the in the Kappa hospital. As soon as I landed there, it was like, because I was only having um, fucking bath washers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, bed washers. Sorry, yeah. bed washers. I couldn't get into a shower and they wouldn't put me in the bath around in case they were afraid, in case... Uh, we won't would have opened up again because yeah. I still had stitches and I was saying do not just bring me to the bath and you're like no in case that opens up so I'm just having bed baths so I was yeah. real sweaty when I got to the bleeding to Kappa hospital Kappa, Kappa yeah yeah and turned around and asked him straight away when can I have a shower and you're like your man he's taking off the matta band he's chopping fingers lovely fella mm. he said you feel a bit clammy or I said yeah I haven't had a shower and he, he I said I meant to be in the matta for Five and a half, nearly six yeah. weeks. He said, "Yeah." I said, "The showers up there." I tried to say, he tried to explain them what way the showers are. He said, "I don't know what the showers are like." My daughter's up there. He said, "It's ridiculous." He said, "They do amputations up there, and you can't have a shower." Mm. But I wanted to have a shower straight away. But he said, "Look, you're gonna have to leave it till the next morning." Yeah. So you end up. Well, I said, "Right, no problem. Leave it till the next morning. What's another bleeding day?" Yeah, yeah. Then he came back, boy, again. And I called him over, and I was like. When can I go to the gym? Because I seen the gym and I was coming in. I got well past the gym. Yeah. He's like, "What? You're only here and you want to go to the gym?" I said, "He said, I said, yeah. I don't. No point me lying in bed like." Mm. So he said, uh, "I don't know." He said, "I got down and talk to the physios now." He said, "Your physiotherapist is not going to be here for a week. I'm waiting on a new girl to come in." But he mm. went down and said it to one of the girls, and anyway, one of the physiotherapists, and um, 
She said, yeah, there's no problem. You can use the gym once there's a physiotherapist in the gym. You're not allowed in the gym on your own. So she came up the next day. The girl that you're talking to, she's a lovely girl, yeah. came up and showed me a few things to do. She said, you would just do them. She said, I'm not your physiotherapist. Again, she said, she turned around and said, by waiting for someone to come in, she said, it's going to be about a week. Mm. She showed me a few exercises. So I used to go in there every day and do them exercises, plus do lie on the bench and do a few weights for just something to do in the hospital as well. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not yeah. really into lifting weights, but it was just something to do in the hospital. Then when I got my own physiotherapist then we have like a cage out that goes around the leg, I forget the name right now. But this thing is meant to be one size fits all. Right, okay. Right? Yeah. Kids and everything use it. Mm. I was there at the time I was there, there was an in Capet, there was another an older man, taller mm. than me, about six foot, six foot one maybe. Yeah. And I used to he see him going up and down the corridor and this yoke no no bother to him. Mm. And I tried to use it, I couldn't fucking use the thing about that. Right. And I was saying, well, this is too big for me. I'm, I'm a small person. He's like, no, one size fits all. Kids and all use this when yeah, they're getting yeah. And I was saying, it's still, I kept telling her, it's too big for me. I couldn't yeah. use it. So I thought, I'm oh, fucked here. I'm not going to be out to walk because I couldn't get the hang of it. And you should be out to use it. Like. Mm. But I couldn't. I couldn't use that for that. Yeah, yeah. No, I tried. And no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't use it. Mm. But then when I went over for to get me, um, they call it a training, like you meant to go over to, it's still on the grounds of Kappa Hospital, it's called Autobock. You right. meant to go over there for um, two weeks, one day, or every day for two weeks mm. before they let you bring the leg back to the ward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I went over and he, had, he was at the mic and the um, training leg up for me. Mm. You just get to do small little things for me over your foot. You have three pieces of tape on the ground. So you have one on your the, the, uh, left hand side and one on the right hand side and one in front of you. And you mm. get to the tip off the left hand side go and then the one in front of then the right so hand side. So it gets you to touch touch the tape with your leg. Touch yeah, stuff, yeah. yeah. With the, just to get a little, little bit of movement into your yeah. leg, you know? Yeah. So then eventually it was really go on, start walking on the parallel bars. So I'm walking up and down. But I couldn't get used to bending my knee, so he just came up with an idea and wrapped the bag around me leg and rolled up a bag and wrapped it. He said, any time you feel me pulling on the bag, that's ready, to, it's time to bend your knee. Mm. So that went on for about half an hour and he stopped down and he's like, walking down and he's like, I had a, had a, a sus to do. Right. So I'm walking up and down for, I don't know, about 40 minutes probably longer because it took him a half an hour to get me or, or not too short kind yeah, of yeah 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 that's great I'm walking up now and then yeah and he's turned around and said to me just keep doing what you're doing he said uh, I'll have to go out and do something just keep walking up down on the parallel bars mm-hmm. I said yeah no problem so I was like walking up and down on the parallel bars and this feels grand I said he's out around so maybe and not giving a fuck I'd do anything take yeah. a chance and do anything I said I can do this with one hand. So I got out from the parallel bars and I'm down there with one hand walking up and down those holding onto the parallel bars and then it's like, oh, you can do this with no hands. So I'm end up walking and walking up and down the room. I sat down a couple of good few times and I had me back to the door and the door opened and all I heard was, oh my God, and I kind of panicked and I went, what, what, I'm grand. And he said, turned around and said, no, I'm 
not giving out to each other. I've never seen someone take to a prosthetic leg so quick. It's a forced physio life. session, eh? It's my first one. First one to put it on. Yeah. yeah. And he, he ended up calling his boss. I remember this one's name. Donna was on him. Says, well, Donna, come down and have a look at this. I'm walking up and down. She said, go on, walk and shower. So I'm walking up and down. He turned around and said, eh. Uh, I'm willing to let Martin bring this prosthetic. He's trying to leg back to the ward today. Yeah. Because he's well able to use it. Yeah, yeah. She turned around and said, yeah, well, bring him outside. Outside, you have steps. Mm. You know, steps on the ramp. Learn how to use the stairs and that. Yeah, yeah. And if he's able to do that and use the ramp and all, you can bring it back now, but... Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was able to go back to the ward oh, that day with me. Like, even the nurses, when I was coming back around, were like, you know, the sweat was pissing on me because I'd been in bed for. Yeah, it's rough out here. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, even the nurses, when I'm walking back in, said to the physiotherapist, I can't remember this chap's name, he's gone back, he's a French fellow, and I knew he's gone back over the front. But uh, they're looking at him going, he's pushing my wheelchair and I'm coming back. He said, you made me your crutches going back just in case I fell, you know. Mm. They're looking at him going, what's going on? Like, how come he's back where he's training like already? He said, he's well able to use it. Mm. So. Yeah, yeah. That's unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. Honestly, God, the full session. There you go. Floating. Okay, man. The question I wanted to ask you as well was the, like... <clears throat> When you got it, when you were out then for the first time, say you were back in the gaff or whatever and the whole lot and you were walking around the estate or that, were you ever, were you ever, now I'm, I'm not insinuating that you should be at all, but were you ever like self-conscious about where you're like, oh, people are looking at me and all that shit? Like, yeah, when I first went into the hospital, I had stuff on me. Oh, right, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had stuff on me when I first went in before I got my leg amputated, but... Yeah. Being the kind of person I am, even though I was on drugs, I still had respect for people like that. I wouldn't smoke. There was people in the toilets having smokes. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. be going in smoking heroin. So what I was doing was snorting to beat that, the feel bags that I had on me. I ended up snorting them. Because yeah. I didn't want to get caught, you know what I mean? I'd be more embarrassed of getting caught. Some people wouldn't give a fuck, but yeah, yeah, I still yeah. kind of had a conscience, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I remember snorting them. And when they were gone, I had someone, I could ring someone and say, look, will you bring me up a bag? And he'd bring her up and yeah. say to them, just put it in a roll up so I can smoke it, you know? Mm. But uh, then one day I was like, oh, you know what, don't bring me up anymore. I don't want it. This mm. now, when I'm going back here now, this is when I'm in the matter. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, I don't want that anymore. I gave up smokes and everything when I was in the matter. Mm. Mm. Then the question you asked me there was, yeah. did I start getting anxious? Mm. Yeah, about a week before I was due to get out, I was due to get out on the 7th of May. So, about a week before I was due to get out, I was like, fuck, I'm going to get out of here and people are going to be looking at me with one leg and all. And mm. there was another person coming in, visiting his girlfriend, one addict, now another addict, the only other fellow was an addict. Yeah, they went yeah. over and asked him, Are there any tablets? And he kind of thought that I was trying to set him up. I said, Look, I'm a fucking patient. Look at my leg, I'm a patient. Yeah, yeah. So, he gave me for his event. End up taking them, you end up out in one and all smoking fucking gear that night. Had to be brought back to the police agent by the police. Yeah, back, yeah. Back, brought back to the hospital, sorry, by the police. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, and my fucking head on tablets. Yeah. But, um, brought me back. Yeah, that's sorry, getting back to your question. I got anxious, that's why I started start taking the tablets. I was anxious saying, um, yeah. people are going to be looking at me. 
That's how I ended up back on drugs. I thought I was real good out here. I'd be brand new. I'm after getting clean for fucking, I was nearly 12 weeks in hospital. So I yeah, I fresh. Still, I was on my methadone. Yeah, I was sound, really unstable now. I'd be grand, but mm, mm, now yeah. I got anxious when I came to getting out. And that's what led to you going that's back what on? That's led me yeah. going back onto the drugs when I came out of the hospital. Yeah. So when you were on drugs then, you were obviously you were obviously just taking the drugs because you thought that everybody would be like staring at you and fuck, oh, what happened to him? And judging you and all that shit as well like you know what i mean i'd say that's those thoughts kind of creep into your head as well you know what i mean yeah um, that sort of thing but like now now like i see you with it and it, like it's like the journey that you've had with it like and where you are now is fucking unbelievable like i know you don't give a shit now like do you know what i mean i know you don't give a rats oh, now doesn't bother me doesn't bother me now that's what i'm saying yeah it's just it's it's mad like it's mad to see it and it's mad to even hear the stuff they are telling me, like, do you know what I mean? Because, mm. like, most people in your position would have just gave up, man. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, that's what you're saying in the hospital. Like, when I was asking them when we going to the gym and all, they couldn't get over it. They were like, what, when are you going to the gym? You yeah. know what I mean? You had to be pulling people out. Yeah. I was like, not pulling them out, but saying, come on, you had to go to the gym because you go into the depression. Yeah. I was just thinking to myself, what's the point in getting depressed? It's not yeah. going to bring me fucking leg back, is it? Exactly, and now, we, now we're out jogging, out jogging on the beach and playing football. Yeah, and a bit of jogging, playing, <laughs> playing football, football on and everything, beach, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unbelievable yeah. to see, man. But even just the story overall, like, it's just, it's incredible, like, do you know what I mean? And you're, I haven't said this to your face because I've been waiting for you, waiting to do this, obviously, you know what I mean? But you're, you're an inspiration for other people, man, do you know what I mean? Because, as I said, overall, losing your leg... Battling with, with addiction your whole your whole life nearly. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You were a bleeding baby when yeah. I started. Yeah. Practically a baby. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you're an inspiration, man. Honestly, it's 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 incredible to hear, and I can't I can't thank you enough for even coming on and talking about it here as well. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. most people are people that could be listening to this and I could help the next person. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, hopefully it does. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like so, yeah, man. I can't I can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough for for doing this. Honest to God. It's it's incredible to hear your story, like, and as I say, you're an inspiration for others out there that are that are sort of struggling with the same thing, like, like the chips were chips were stacked against you since you're since you're a kid, like, and you're still here and you're still fighting for having a better life, like, and I can't I can't do anything but admire that, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, thanks. You should pat yourself on the back, man. Honestly, I'm I'm proud of you. I'm sure Diddler's proud of you as well. Daryl's in the room here, by the way, in case people are listening. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> He's been quiet all episode. Do you know what? I could have got away with not saying you're here. Not loud on the MOC. That was off the mic. Four years. <laughs> <laughs> it still has me all about. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, and yeah, let me thank. Thanks for letting me come down and do this, which man, honestly, God, it's uh, it's been mad to even hear because I didn't know any of this. Do you know what I mean? Like mm, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure Daryl has, and I'm sure obviously your family have or whatever. But yeah. I haven't heard any of this, so to hear it all is just. It's it's incredible, man. You should pat yourself in the back, man. Honestly, I'm proud of you, like, and you should you should be you should be very proud of yourself as well. Yeah, thanks, but how can I say one more thing? Yeah, say whatever you want to say. Yeah, I'm uh, I find that I was lucky. My family never gave up on me. I never ended up homeless or anything like that. You know what I mean? My family never gave up on me. Never fucked me up. Mm-hmm. So I'm lucky in a way. There's other people in worse situations to me. Yeah, their, their families fucked them out. I'm all type. I haven't got to do it. Yeah. We have a we have a good family around me. Do you know what I mean? So I'm lucky in that kind of way. My family support me all the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now when I'm flat out on drugs, I don't be around them much. But 
mm. around them a lot now that I'm getting my head together, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that I'm lucky I have a good family around me. Yeah. Some people don't have that. Yeah, That's how they end up on the streets, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. My mother would have never fucked me out, and I'm sure my sisters and brother wouldn't see me on the street either, you know what I mean, now that my mother's gone. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And on that note, I'll leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Thank you again no, for coming on. I've nothing but admiration and respect for you. And yeah, I just I can't thank you enough for coming on, honestly. No and that's problem. a beautiful note to leave it on. You had a, a family around you that loved you and supported you through everything. Yeah, Most people don't. And you understand that as well. So yeah, man. We'll leave on that. Thanks for tuning in again, everybody. Um and thank you again, Martin, for your time because unbelievable. Unbelievable. No problem. So no appreciative problem. of you being here. And thanks for did like for shutting his mouth for an hour. It's very hard to get <laughs> it's very hard to get him to do that, like you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm making a laugh, but honestly, thank you again. Thank you again. Yeah. I really, really appreciate it. And uh yeah, this is this is a moment for me on the podcast as well. Being able to give you a platform to tell your story is 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 also a proud moment for me as well. So thank you for giving me that as well. Yeah, no problem. Thanks. I'm uh, happy I got to do that. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Right, on that note, thanks for tuning in, everybody. That was Martin. And uh, yeah, I'll see you next week. Good luck.